we are so appreciative of the gift that keeps on giving. And we also recognize that he came in the fullness of time. So time is important. Time is very significant. And when you begin to think about it, I was watching something, my wife and I was watching, uh, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, and uh, he began to have several ones talk about how it looks like time is just going by so rapidly. He said, look like every, look like time has sped up. Time is, and, and I don't know if you noticed it or not, but it seemed like that to me. I guess I thought it happened when you crossed the age 50, and it was because of my age that it looked like time was speeding up. But I talked to young folk, and they're saying the same thing. Where did the year go? It looked like we just entered into, <clears throat> entered into the year 2022, and here we are at the end of the year 2022. It appears if time has really sped up, not only with the old, but even with the young, that people are realizing that. I began to do a little research. In fact, I did it some years ago and talked about the pulse of the earth is beating more rapidly than ever before. So don't even look at time merely as we would measure time by, by, by seconds, minutes, hours, days, ye months, years, centuries. But let's begin to look at time from a different perspective. Let's begin to look at time. We realize that there are several words to, uh, to define time. One is ky kairos, and we realize that has to do with the times in which we're living. But then we have another word, chronos, which has to do with the, the, the chronological time or how time is measured based upon the seconds, minutes, days, and hours and days and the like. When we talk about it, time, we see that regardless of how we face it, I would say the times are different, and the time in which we're living appears to be on a pace that is rapidly speeding up. So with that, as we look at this, I would begin to think about what is really happening here, that as we continue with this thing of time, and I'm calling this our need for divine intervention, the second, third part of this message, divine, the need for divine intervention, we begin to see something. I was thinking about this word, we talk about hyper, you know, hyper has to do with speeding up, hyper has to do with something that happens, uh, I would say, at a speed that is irregular or abnormal or faster than it would be otherwise. It is hyper. It is faster than. It is quicker than when it's hyper. And uh, there is a situation that occurs in our bodies, in many people's bodies, and they call it high blood pressure. High blood pressure. We talk about high blood pressure. It is called hypertension. Listen to these words now. Hyper and tension. So now we begin to think about it. It's saying that there is a rapid increase in the area of tension. It's not just our bodies. Our bodies are indicative of what's taking place all around us. But I believe that there's an increase in tensions in this day. 
There's more. This world is more tensive than ever before. Tensions all around us. We, uh, we begin to see people troubled about things that are occurring, and, 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 and there's a lot of tension. But it's not just tension now, but we live in a hypertensive age because there are so many uncertainties around us. And we're wondering what will happen uh, tomorrow, what will happen next week, next month, next year. And, and as a result of it, we begin to see people are worrying about the future. They're concerned about the future. But at the same time, we see where time is moving at a rapid pace and look like it's moving faster than it has ever moved before. And we begin to look at, we talk about hypertension, but in this, we begin to see people engaged in hyperactivities. There's more activities taking place around us. Now, I begin to look at what would, scientifically, you guys in medicine can help me with this, but understand that the, some of the things are, there are reasons behind hypertension or having high blood pressure. One of the things I was told is that when one's arteries are blocked, block arteries, is that correct, can cause hypertension. Blocked arteries. Uh, and, and, and what causes blocked arteries? Sometimes it has to do with your diet. It's what you're feeding upon. What are you eating? What are you, what, what, what is your, what, what's, what's nourishing you at this particular moment within your life? So with that, we begin to look at this. People are feeding on certain things. They're feeding on certain things. Their diet, for the most part, can lead to hyperactivity and hyperactive. Because you think about it, the information we receive, we act upon the information that we receive wherever, uh, wherever the source may be. As that information comes to us, you see what happens? There are reactions and actions that are determined based upon things that we receive or we're informed of to a degree. So with that, we're feeding upon certain things. And, and, and it's important. Our diet physically is important, but more so our diet spiritually is of utmost importance. What are you feeding on? Who's determining what you're to eat? What kind of diet, spiritual diet? I'm not talking primarily about your physical diet. We're talking about your spiritual diet now. You're in church here. And in this, we realize this is a place where God has, uh, has uh, designed or prescribed for us to receive our food, our spiritual food. Now, what are you feeding upon? What primarily are you feeding upon? And as we feed upon uh, the right things or the wrong things, you see, our, uh, we, we adapt to. Our bodies adapt to whatever you're feeding upon. And then secondly, the other part is eating the right food. And I trust you recognize the fact that when we get into the Word of God, God's objective is to feed us what we need in order to grow and be effective in the work to which He's called us. I, I like when the Scripture talked about even as the children of Israel were crossing uh, from the land of Egypt into the promised land, God uh, prescribed for them a diet. He said, now this is the nutrients, these are the things that you will need contained within that which you don't even understand. It's called manna, 
matter what is it, what it is, you to eat it. But contained within this manna is everything you will need in order to sustain you for the journey that's set before you. And, and, and understand what God does even with us as we begin to look at what are we feeding upon. He is saying to us the same thing. He says, I'm feeding you based upon the journey, based upon the assignment which I've given you. I'm feeding you based upon the assignment which I've given you. He says, so he sends somewhat apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the work of the ministry for, you see, so that you can fulfill your purpose in life. So God has a way of feeding us. He's saying, I'm not just, you see, there's a lot of things we can eat, but God says, I want to, I want to give you a prescribed diet. And, and, and here's how I begin to see it, when certain things are emphasized. You see, God has a, has a way of knowing exactly what we need when we need it, and there will be particular things that God will highlight. And he'll say, I want you to pay close attention to this, as it would be with vitamins and minerals and the rest. He says, now I want you to eat more of this and less of that. It doesn't have to be something wrong with the other thing, but understand, to give you a balanced diet, there are certain things that he will prescribe at certain times. And that's what God is doing even here in this house. I want you to know this. And, 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 and when we begin to eat what God has given us, you, you see, it, it, it's to be applied because the second part is exercise, is exercise. You, you, you see what happens? If you, even if you eat right and there's no expression or outlet, there's no exercise, there's no activity to give expression to what you have received, it can also contribute to block arteries. And you say, where's the flow of the Spirit? Where is God what is God wanting to do within the world? Why is there so much hyperactivity within the world? I'm, I'm speaking of the murders. We're talking about the violence within the streets. We're talking about the, the violence within households. We're talking about the anxious, how anxious people are, even with, within themselves. And you begin to wonder, where is all of this coming from? It all has to do with your diet, or your exercise, or lack thereof, as to how you are engaged, or whether you are involved in this thing that's called hypertensity uh, or hypertension, spiritual hypertension. So, so now, here's what we look at. We talked about the prescription must be given not by quack, because there's something called quackery. We talk about quackery that has to do with dishonest practices by those who claim to have knowledge and, and, and understand. And I begin to say, even those who claim to have special knowledge that God has given me, you see, here's a quack. A quack will say, well, well you don't need this, but this is what you need. And, and oftentimes, it's not that you don't need, because they don't even know the thing that would otherwise be prescribed, but they'll say, this is good for you. And understand, we got to be careful that we're not trusting our spiritual lives to quacks. Now, now this is a, uh, God has me ministering to you this way because we have to show you what is right, but also expose to you what is wrong so you won't make the wrong turns. You won't move 
down the wrong path. So quackery. And then there are those that self-medicate. Self-medication. We don't need we don't need a doctor. I don't need the church. We don't need uh, we don't need uh, uh, inst- the institutionalized religion or, or or let's say the established church. Suppose uh, we don't need that any longer. What we can do, we can have church at ho- at the house. We can have church at home. You see, some of you need people. You, you, you see, you need to be around folk, but, but we don't need that. We can have, I have my personal relationship with God. Self-medicating. Do-it-yourself remedies. And not only sometimes is that we don't even need God because all God, all God, God is love, so all we have to do is love. So God is love. So our definition of love is skewed by our interpretation of who God is or who God isn't. And as a result of it, rejecting the message sent by God. And, and not only you reject the message, but you find yourself persecuting the messenger. You have a difficult time. You say, well, there's something wrong with the person. You're the problem. When your opinions carry more weight than the Word of God, you have blocked arteries. Your opinion, this is how I feel about it. You have blocked arteries. God cannot get through. You see the flow, that the life flow, because blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood, but the life of the spirit is a result of the blood that was shed for us uh, on Calvary. So now, you see, uh, that's what happens. You see, and, and, and what happens in our day and time is that many hearts have been turned towards worthless things. We mentioned hyperactivity, the activity in which we find people like that engaged in are worthless things. A lot of activity, saying a lot, but meaning nothing. There's no meaning to all the things that they are engaged in. In fact, uh, some people call it psychobabble. There's a lot of talk but there's nothing of substance or content contained within all the conversations that are going on. You say, what is the point? What point are you trying to make? What, what is the end of what you're saying? What is the end of what you're trying to convey to us? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 puts it this way. He said, but evil man, he talks about the last days. He talked about the last days. And, and, and we mentioned time's moving fast. Time is moving on. And he talks about we're moving towards the last of the last days. Do you realize these are the last of the last days? I think God is speaking to us in ways to remind us of the fact that we don't have as much time as we thought we had or we think we had. And he says, well, this is one of the signs of the last time. He says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, he says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. In other words, you begin to see the downward spiral of decline taking place among those that are evil. Evil has to do with those, I would say, twisted, that twist the Scripture, twist uh, uh, truth, you see, so that there is a, 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 they live in a world, people will live in a world that is created by those who paint a picture that's not real. 
He says, so now, he says, evil men will grow worse and worse. You see, in other words, people will begin to exchange the truth for the lie like never before. See, this is a forewarning because, you see, there's going to be a time when it's going to be hard to hear this. Because your environment, we talk about the chronos, we talk about the, the kairos, the times in which we're living is a such that it's becoming more difficult to hear what you're hearing now. And, and, and you best believe it. I mean, even among many who heard it in the past, now they can hear it no longer. They can't hear it no longer. They can't hear sound doctrine any longer because something has happened. Blocked arteries. The enemy came in and blocked their arteries so that now their spiritual reasoning is not where it ought to be. He said evil men will, and imposters will grow. They will grow worse and worse. So in other words, now we begin to see the increase of, of evil men and imposters growing worse and worse and deceiving and being deceived. So they're not just deceiving individuals, but the deceivers are being deceived at the same time. The decept those who are deceptives are deceptive are deceived. You see, those who are deceptive are deceived. They think that they are manipulating others, but the whole, I, the whole point behind it all is that they themselves are being manipulated. Somebody's pulling the strings, but they don't even realize that they've been played. He says, and here's what happens when we can look at it. They're making an impression upon the minds of the people thus winning their hearts. Hearts are being drawn towards a particular thing. They said, in other words, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. I want to be in an environment. See, people will say they want to be in an environment where things are sensible. Things make sense to them. Stuff you're talking doesn't make sense to us. Why? Because without spiritual, without, the Bible says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see, he cannot in, enter in, and he can engage in spiritual reasoning. So the first point, and, and, and that's why I've been teaching about the presence of God, the presence of God, because when we as the believers are eating right and we are doing well and we are growing in grace, knowledge of the Lord, we bring into that environment the presence of the Lord, and the presence of the Lord will diffuse arguments. It doesn't take a whole lot of talk because they will sense that something, you see, in other words, when God shows up in an environment, the atmosphere changes. So when the, when the word is spoken, the word can pierce and penetrate the heart, and it doesn't have to engage in the arguments, not always. There still be those that argue, but it doesn't have to always engage in the arguments because there would be something, there would be a sensing that will take place in the environment where true believers walk into, the, when they walk into that environment. There's something that happens, and that's the presence of the Lord. And, and when we lose, you see, when we lose our cutting edge, when we lose presence, when presence is not, I'm not saying the Spirit is not ours, we don't have the Spirit within us, but we have to carry presence as well. So, so now, it says, so now we're winning. You see, they're winning the minds and hearts of the people because what happens when there's no presence, then people will begin to, you see, they're more apt and receptive to all these other things. 
They're listening to other voices, and they're moving in the direction. And, and the truth of the matter is that the weight of it all lies upon the shoulders of us as believers now. We're the ones. We have to carry the presence of the Lord. But if we're not understanding that it's important what we're being fed, it's important how we're being fed, it's important that we, you see, kairos, that we recognize the times in which we're living, that we're at a place where we are redeeming the times, that we're taking advantage of the opportunities God has afforded us. Without that, what happens by default? We give the world, the, we just pass everything over to the world as they have at it. So now, times, times in which we're living. This is what he says. This is what Peter says about it. We see what Paul said, what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. He says, but the days of the Lord, the day of the Lord, now he's talking about the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. You see, so, so he's saying that that's going to be a time when time as we know it will no longer be. So we see things speeding up because time as we know it is coming to an end. You see, this is what happens. We are moving into the time, into timeless eternity. So now, time as we know it will no longer be. So he says, and that will happen. He said, the heavens will pass away, and he says that it will come as the thief in the night. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Not only will the earth be burned up, but the works. Earthworks will be burned up. All the things that people have gravitated towards ultimately will be burned up. He says, so now, this is what he said, prophetically speaking. Now, if you don't know that, you will not prepare for that. But if that word that is prophetically speaking, spoken rather, has any weight with you, then the second thing that we, the thing that we ought to do in light of that is prepare for it. He says, therefore, that's where the therefore comes in. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. All these things will be dissolved. What manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What are you doing? You're looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. You're looking for this thing coming to an end. Rather than being fearful, you have a spirit of anticipation because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will burn, will, elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to his promise, he's getting rid of the old in order to replace it with the new. He said, now we look for new heavens, for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So look at the posture of the believer. We're saying, Lord, as these, as this, we, when this comes to an end, you will replace it with something new and better. And that which you replace it with will be more in alignment with what you're developing within us 
as you're working righteousness within us, you see, the environment in which we now are currently living in, he said, where now this has become the culture, this has become the order of the day, this has become, you see, we begin to see, they said, what side of history? Today, the conversation has to do with what side of history you're going to be in. We have to be on the right side of history. But the time will come when we will know what the right side of history is. It will not be based upon popular vote or popular opinion, but people will know where the Lord stands on various issues. He said, because it'll all pass away. So, uh, so in other words, things are speeding up because God is bringing an end to the system. But here's what happens. When people are hypertensive, the pulse beat increases and intensifies before the heart stops. Are you saying this? So we begin to look at the pulse. Check the pulse. The pulse, you see, it, it, it is intensifying before it eventually collapses. So that's what's happening now. So we see the intensity of heat. We see the intensity of, of the moment. So things are hypertensitive in our day because they're about to come to an end. He said, and they're going to be destroyed. They're going to pass away. But when they pass away, he's going to replace it with a new heaven, with new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell. He said, but then the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, he says, heaven and earth will shall pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word by no means will pass away. My word will withstand, my word, the word that's spoken. Now we're getting close to Christmas now in my message here. You see, we are coming to the place, he says, what will stand? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word from the beginning, before the beginning, was the Word. When it's all said and done, what's still standing? There you go. My Word is still there, because my Word will not pass away. You enter into the eternal now. So now, here's what we're talking about. When did the Word, we say heaven and earth will pass away. When did the Word enter into the earth realm? Now, when you look at it uh, from a global, not just global, look at it from a, a, look at the universes and you look at how small the earth is within light of all of God's creation. You'll see it's like a little speck. But he says, but I'm going to send my word into that little speck called the earth because I have some inhabitants there, people that were made in my own image. And it was within time, God says, I will send my word and my word will come in flesh. Here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, not before, not prematurely, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, the eternal Son. We mentioned early on, you heard the teachings about Christ, the eternal Christ, the eternal Son of God. But he sent forth his eternal Son, and now we begin to see Christmas, which was born of a woman, 
but also born under the law because the law had to be fulfilled. The law had, because understand, God's requirements were spelled out within the law. He says, so the law had to be fulfilled, but yet we realize that no man could live up to the requirements of the law because none could, could in his own flesh attain to that level of righteousness. But he says, but he's under the law, under the law. But here a man born of a woman that's under the law, but God sent his word. He sent his word. He sent his word. But now his word comes forth out of a woman. From the womb of a woman, God sent forth his word within time. Within time. Now understand this. We begin to see Kronos as well as Kairos. Within time. And he says, but understand the purpose of his coming was to redeem those who were under the law, subject to the law. In other words, if they're under the law and can't live up to the standard of the law, what are we saying? In essence, they're condemned by the law. In other words, they're without hope. He said, because the law condemned them. The law stood against them, he says. But then he sent his only begotten son who was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that he didn't say that they might receive, but that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, we talk about adoptions as sons, that we will enter into the sonship of Christ, of Jesus Christ. He said, so we might be sons. Now, what did we say? The whole creation, all of creation. It didn't just say the world, all of God's creation. Everything that God ever made is waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. Now, God is saying, in essence, now I'm going to allow you to enter into sonship with my son so that through you, hope arises for all of God's creation. I'm talking about planets, Everything that God ever made, hope arises because the Word now, the Word in us. This thing is much bigger than you thought it was. Well, I just make up my mind as to what I'm going to do. That's your opinion, and you don't know how your opinion is working against the Word of God, the will of God, when you do not subject all your arguments to the will of God and the Word of God. So the Word, the Word became, I mentioned the other day, the Word became flesh. The Word became what the Word had never been before. But the Word became that which the Word had never been before, that we might become that which we had never been before. See, God's objective 
was to make us somebody or something that we'd never been before. He says, now, in order to do it, I got to change you. I got to, I got to give you something you have had. I got, to, I got to give you life. Well, I'm already alive. God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So, therefore, I'm already alive. So, then we understand when he talks about life. So, we say, I must be alive because I'm still animated. But he says, I've come that you may have life. But he also says, and that more abundantly. You don't really comprehend the degree of life that I offer. In fact, Adam received life, but he gave up a, a, a portion of that. He gave up that life when he sinned. But yet he kept breathing until eventually he died physically. So when he talks about life, he's talking about something other than that. Since Adam died, then that would disqualify. Since he died because of sin, that will, I would say, that would pretty much negate the fact that that was the full promise of God in relation to life. He said, I'm going to give you life that has no end and cannot be destroyed. I'm going to give you so much life that that life will so envelop you that you will be wrapped in a bundle of life and love and nothing can get you out of the place that I have placed you. Life and more abundantly. Not merely the life of Adam possessed before sin, but I will give you resurrection life. Resurrection life. He said, what kind of life is that? He said, I'm going to show you what kind of life I'm going to give you. I'm going to send my word, which was born of a woman. He says, I'm going to let the world vent its displeasure against him. All the wrath of man measured against my son. I'll turn my back upon him so that he will experience a death that's much deeper than you could possibly realize. He said, but when he dies, what I'm going to do, now he's experienced physical death, spiritual death, but I will raise him from the dead. I will resurrect him from the dead so that the life that is on the other side of death will be your life. I'm going to give you more life than you could realize. Now, now understand, when he talked the flood and all the other stuff, they didn't have any clue. He said, uh, uh, I mean, here's Noah, get on the boat, get on the ship, because you see, rain is going to, it's going to rain. Get in a place of safety, ark of safety, it's going to rain. They had no clue what rain was. Adam, you, if you sin, you shall surely die. What's death? You, you, you see, I reference this to uh, uh, what God is speaking of has always been shadowed or I would say veiled by our lack of understanding. So when he talks about spiritual life, here's why people make their own decisions and move in the other direction is because they don't have a clue as to what God's talking about when he got to give you a spiritual word, a message to lift you out of that state of death. But it's just like it was with Noah. So it is in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. People still are engaged in worth. I would say they would be, they would be worthwhile if they're put in the proper perspective but they become worthless when they become your priority. 
when you begin to major, when you begin to major on those particular things and they are more important to you than, than the Word of God, then that's a problem. Let me tell you something. You say, wait a minute now. You're trying to get folk to come to church. No, the Word of God is a measure. The Word of God, just like we talk about giving, tithing. It, it, tithing is not the fact that people are, God is just trying to get money out of you. It is a measure of your worth, of God's worth in relation to the blessings that God has blessed you with. Now, the same thing applies when it comes to the Word of God. A measure as to how valuable the Word of God is is how you treat it. So now, how important is the Word of God or what is more important? All of these things are going to pass away, but my Word will not pass away. It, 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 it's, it's, it's more. I, I'm going to give you life to give you what you need. But here's the problem. But you don't know and have not experienced yet that which I desire to give you. What does it mean to live? What does it really mean to die? What does it mean to be? He says, in dying you shall die. That's how that's interpreted. He says, you shall surely die. The, the literal interpretation is that in dying you shall die. So death, there's a second death. <laughs> there's a second death. But there's, again, what clue? Have a clue as to what the second death is because no one has come back and told you. He said, when they're dying, you should. So we look at the phenomenon of death, the phenomenon of life, and the like. But I'm going to move on because I got a lot that I want to share with these next few minutes. I'm come that you may have life, but life is a mystery. Life is on the other side of your intellect. Life is on the other side of what you think you know. I'm come to give you what you don't even know about. And the same thing applies. I, uh, when you die, I'm, uh, you're dying to that which you, you're entering into an environment which you don't have any clue as to what you're entering into. Now, that opposes, that, that, uh, that's opposed to your, your intellect. Now, that's different from intellect because when Adam, when Adam was, was formed, when Adam was created, he had intellect. He had intellect. In other words, we talk about intellect, the ability to reason. He was made a spiritual man, but also a rational man. But there is a difference between the rational and the spiritual. You see, he maintained his ability to rationalize, but he lost his, his, his ability to spiritualize. He could not understand spirit, the spiritual things. So, so, as a result of that, he was left to make rational decisions versus being in a position to make spiritual decisions. So, therefore, what did he do? He built he began to cover himself. He began to do whatever he thought would be uh, necessary in order to protect himself, cover himself, to hide himself in the light. As it was so many others, you see, uh, so many others, where they began to do whatever we think or people think is necessary in order to survive. Now, as we enter into this holiday, you see, uh, Christmas, this is what the enemy does. He has a way of shrouding the truth so that you won't see what's really going on. That's the enemy. He is the deception. Is, he is the deceiver. His objective is to keep you from saying, because if you knew what was really going on, then your behavior would be different. Our behavior 
my behavior, if I really had full knowledge of what's going on. I'm glad God gives us a glimpse so that we are growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. But suppose you didn't have that glimpse, you'd be just like those who are in the world that's doing the things that the world is engaged in. This wouldn't mean anything to you either. But here's what he does. I, I was, I was li watching, I mean, listening to the radio stations and listening to music. This is, a, this is a joyous season, a happy, jolly Christmas. Think about it. It's a, it's a joyous, isn't it? People, there's a whole different mood. There's a whole different environment. People at the, the malls and the stores I don't, uh, are being packed. People are shopping, and they're putting together their Christmas list. They're putting up the trees, and you, you think about it, there's a smile on various faces, but yet at the same time, let me tell you something, uh, uh, there's still a degree of emptiness that remains. There's still a degree of emptiness that, that remains. I, I was... Uh, I was trying to think of some of the names. Burl Ives, I think is one of the names I was trying to think of. Burl Ives and others. I was reading something some time ago, and they talked about how, how Christmas was shrouded by all of these other things to keep people from understanding the real significance of Christmas so that they would not see Christ, the Christ of Christmas. They said, so now you begin to see the beautiful paintings. I forgot the name of it, where you see those little cottages, and you see the Christmas ornaments and everything else. And they said that... Uh, and then the songs, they said, bro lives begin to sing songs about happy holidays and, 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 and all of these things were happening. They said it was, it was not, it didn't just happen. They said it was really purposefully put in place so that people would lose the significance or the full meaning of Christmas. It's about Christ. So now it has become a holiday, but I call it a hollow day. It has become a hollow holiday rather than a holy day. It is a hollow holiday and not a holy day because it's void of the content that would make it significant. It has lost its significance. We mentioned there's an empty feeling that usually occurs during this season. There's a, it's a season, you see. It, it, what happens whenever the meaning is lost, then something is lacking in the whole scenario. What is really lacking here? Now, we understand that uh, what has happened in many instances, uh, we think about loved ones that we would spend Christmas with that's no longer with us or maybe separated because of uh, one, one reason or the other that in of itself is legitimate and those kinds of things, but you understand there's still a, an emptiness, there's a void. I remember when I was uh, walk, trying to leave God and trying to walk away from the Lord, and uh, here I am from as long as I can remember, always spending Christmas with my little Christmas speech. Remember those? You got your little Christmas speech, you get your little, you get your little bag of candy, and, and, and you look forward to it. The Christmas tree decorated the house, Daddy putting the lights up and stomping on the roof like he's Santa Claus, like he's a reindeer. I remember that. It was so precious. It was so precious. But, but now I'm, I'm leaving. My, when my dad died, I lost, I lost uh, something. And I was at a place where I said, there's no God. All of this is fake. All of this is phony. Uh, you talk about my, uh, the dark days of my soul. It was between the years 
69. Uh, in fact, it just happened December the 8th. From December 8th, uh, 2068, up until, uh, uh, until uh, June 19th, 1977. That was my dark day. Those are the dark days of my soul. Uh, you, you, like I said, I, I always tell you, anything you might have heard, I might have done, I don't even try to defend it. <laughs> because I was, I was at a place where I, I had lost faith and hope. I said, if God was real, he, he should have saved my, you know, my dad. Why would he die at such a young age and me being 19 years old? That kind of thing. So, so, so now, here I am now, after he died, I went to the club. I went to that church on Christmas, this Christmas. I went to the club. I remember spending New Year's at a club, at a club. Now, here I am at the club here. They, 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 they drinking and they hollering, Happy New Year. And I'm walking around just as hollow and empty. Just, you know, and they say, Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year. And I'm just looking at them. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I was there, but I had no business being there. So therefore, my Christmas was empty, and my New Year's celebration, a new year, is uh, I'm approaching a new year, coming into a new year. It was all empty. Why was it empty? Because in my heart of heart, I knew the significance of that day. I didn't fully understand the significance of it, but I had enough, I had enough of Christ in me to recognize there was more than this. I'm telling you this. So, so now we talk about seasons, hollow days, empty feelings usually occur during the season because the true meaning of the season is lost. A season, a, a time where uh, it, it ought to mean more. And what happens when you, it loses significance or, or meaning is easily replaced by something that make more sense, make more sense to you or make more sense to me. Therefore, here it is, uh, uh, happy Jesus' birthday. No, let's change it. You know, I'm black. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa. That's more relatable, isn't it? We can relate more to Kwanzaa than we can to the birth of Jesus Christ because understand now, I, 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 I can see my roots in Kwanzaa, so therefore I, I make libations to my dead ancestors and I, I have the fruit and all the other things that you engaged in in order to. You see, there was a time when Kwanzaa was uh, developed and created, but understand anything that distracts from that which, you see, that's what the enemy does, will always give distractions that are more relatable, disconnecting us from focusing our attention upon the Lord. There was a time in history when there was no Christmas to, to celebrate. There was a time when there was no Christmas to celebrate. I know I got to close, but here in, and I'm closing with this, here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, this is why we were. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time, you were without Christ. So there was no Christmas. So why are you going to act like there's no Christmas now?
Why are you going to replace Christmas with something other than Christ? Because there was a time when you didn't have anything to celebrate. But now, God, I ain't talking about the date. We're talking about the reason. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, the strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world, he said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He said, he is our peace. I brought you close. So now you have a reason for the season. Now, watch the enemy. He's trying to get you to place. He's trying to block your arteries so that you can die of a spiritual heart attack. The enemy's desire is what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. I experience, I mean, I experience what it's like to have they call it heart failure, heart attack. A lot of times, heart attacks are not always fatal. But if you never recover, it can lead to the end. I am so glad that God allowed me to recover from my heart attack. I had one, just like many of you had heart attacks. That heart attack where the enemy attack your heart and begin to throw things your way so that the reality of Christ was skewed by the occurrence that took place where the truth of God could no longer flow. The Word of God, the life of Christ could no longer flow through you. <laughs> but those of us who recovered, we recognize our need for a steady diet now. You see, when you have a heart attack, what do you do? If you've had, if you've had, uh, help me now, you, you, you have uh, 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 transplants, and uh, we call it, they take a, a valve and have put another valve in and put another, you see, to make sure things are flowing the way it's flowing. What you going to do now? You going to just go back to your old habits? Are you going to go back to living life as you once lived it? No, you're going to be more particular than you've ever been before. Because you knew what it was like when you had that heart attack. When you experienced what it was like when you were without Christ after having known him. Not that he forsook you, but now because of the fact that you allowed the enemy to draw you away from him. You said, I don't ever want to go back to that place again. That reminds me every time, every time something would be tempting because let me tell you something, all of us would be tempted. All of us would be tempted. Somewhere down the line, temptation will come your way. When it comes your way, you say, no, no, I ain't touching that. That stuff can affect my heart. That can draw me away from God. That can call, if I eat that, if I, you, you may eat all that stuff, but I can't eat that because it'll, it, it may give me a heart attack. And I don't want to be rushed to the emergency room, placed on life support again, not knowing if I'm going to make it or not. 
if I'm going to flatline as a result of eating the kind of food you're trying to feed me. Enemy, come over here. You need to hear this because we got, we got it really going over here. No, that'll give me a heart attack. Come on over there, you see. Take your chances. Why don't you play Russian roulette with your life? Because this could be okay. And that, you see, this is more palatable to where you are, young people, because now it is more relatable. No, 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 no. All you have to do is suffer a heart attack and recognize what contributed to that attack. It'll make you careful. Not just, you see, because if you know I'm exercising, dieting right, and I'm trusting God to keep me and to preserve me, He has the ability to keep me from falling into the things that I had once succumbed to. So, Father, we thank you for helping us in this area. There are many things that we have to learn, and some things we learn about you. Sometimes, as it is with those who have suffered paralysis, having to learn how to walk all over again. Yes, Lord, it affects limbs. The activity of limbs, walking right, and arms moving, serving right, even thinking right. But Lord, while we're in recovery, May we fully recover. May we go through retraining our limbs to function the way they ought to function. Rehabilitation. We're being rehabilitated as we enter into this sanctuary so that, Lord, we're not missing out on your best understanding that there's a purpose for our lives. And then, Lord, that you promised us not just life now, but life eternal. So with this, we give you the honor and the praise and the glory for who you are and what you're doing in us even this hour, in this time. May we redeem the time. May redeem our time, realizing, Lord, that we don't have time to waste. No, we don't have time to waste. Every moment is serious. Every opportunity you provide that's been granted to us is precious. And every step that you order for us to take is necessary. So, Lord, may we be of such that we will allow your Spirit to guide us, your Spirit to direct us in the way of truth. So, with this, Lord, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, and you, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.